Um, you hear me? Yeah, I got you loud and clear. You got me, bud? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Hey, you you're um, getting the first in-race reporter ever in the iRace on the podcast. Oh, that's awesome, because I was getting ready to tell you that uh, Kyler's in Texas, and I think he's driving – I think he's driving back to Kentucky today, so we're, everything that we're recording is going on the podcast. So I'm, I'm glad that you're an in-race reporter, and uh, this ought to be exciting. Let me, I'm going to put you on hold and get Rob in here. All right, let's do it. Ain't tight. Where, where are you racing? You racing at uh, Atlanta? Atlanta, yeah. All right, ain't tight. All right, do we have you live and in, in, uh, live and loud, uh, Jimmy Wags? I can hear you guys. What's going on? Rob, you got him loud and clear? I got him. See, hear you both well. Rob, where, uh, you took a bike ride yesterday. How was that? Was it, well, and I didn't know, because you're, um, you, you, you've uh, diversified on us, was it a, an actual bicycle ride or was it a, a motorcycle ride? <laughs> Uh, no, it was an actual bicycle ride. In fact, um, I think the motorcycle that I have, my, I think my Harley is uh, extremely jealous because I, I'm pretty sure I have put more miles on bicycles in the last year. In fact, I'm 100% certain. I, put more, I think I put more miles on a bicycle yesterday than I had that Harley in the last year, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, it's pretty. I've definitely uh, shifted gears, so to speak, pardon the pun. Um, I rode, yesterday was a big ride, uh, although it took a lot longer than it should have. It was a, quite the adventure. Um, I rode my ninth century ride this year, my ninth hundred mile plus ride. Um, <laughs> so, uh, if that, and that ride should take anywhere from five hours and 45 minutes to six hours as a solo rider like me with the route I run, it, I was away from the house for 10 hours. <laughs> it was an adventure. So well, I'm proud that's, of you. Riding, uh, that's why I missed that. 900-mile uh, uh, races uh, this year is a hell of a feat, man. That's, uh, that's, that's really good. A couple of years ago, my son wanted me to run a Tough Mudder with him, and he's like, you got six months to get ready. I'm like, okay. Well, three weeks before it happened, I said, hey, are we supposed to be running a tough motor sometime? He said, yes. I'm like, oh, okay. What is it, like a 5K? He's like, no, it's a 12-mile tough motor. I say, what? I <laughs> hell, I haven't ran one thing. Um, and uh, just like a, I think, I, I promise you, it took me longer to get through that 12-mile um, tough motor than it did you a 100-mile uh, bicycle race, no matter how fast or slow you're going. But um, Jimmy Wax has got a, a few more years on us before he decides he probably needs to 
um, put up the Harley and ride a bicycle around the block. I got a, a couple hit, times man. My, my dad's got a Honda, and uh, he's always wanting me to, like, hey, man, you can get out here and ride with me. So, I don't know. We'll see. It, it, <laughs> that's how it starts, isn't it, Rob? Yes. You're, yeah. I, I'll tell you what, I, not to get carried away on this bicycle thing, but um, I always used to make fun of those guys that rode that had these expensive light bicycles and they would ride 30, 40, 50 miles. And I'm like, why don't y'all, you know, and they were just, you know, enthused over the top about it. And I was like, why don't y'all just get a beach cruiser and just ride like five miles, you know, and just be done with it. You know, ride a heavy bike and be done with it. Well, then uh, it'll be two years. I've been cycling. July 29th will be two years. And I started, it was almost, I got gilded into it. Uh, peer, peer pressure, and I try it. And the first ride I ever did was four miles, and I thought I was going to die. Yeah. And full forward, two years later, I've done 14 century rides, all of them solo, not group rides. Um, I've logged over 12,000 miles, road miles, and probably a half a million feet of vertical climb over that over those two years. It's uh. It's been, it's, and I can't get enough of it. You know what I mean? Like now a short ride for me is like, oh, I'm going for a short ride and uh, I'm going for, you know, it's 25 miles. That's a short ride for me now. So it's crazy. It's crazy how it works out. Well, congratulations on that. I have Thank watched you. exactly um, uh, zero laps of last week's race. I was traveling last week and I did, oh my God. Last week was, um, uh, the, the, I had three flights. I'm an executive platinum member and uh, on American. <laughs> Nobody has better status than me. And I got three flights canceled, and I didn't make a standby list on. I missed four flights Friday night, and uh, it is a. Oh, I lost you. Many laps of the race, but I did pick the winner, and it was because. At this point, I don't know how you don't just automatically pencil um, Chase Elliott as the road course guy. He has um, come essentially out of nowhere when he first started um, in the Cup Series to become the master at road courses. And, and Jimmy, you you were um, you, you thought you were making a mistake, but you you uh, you, you did what it takes to to win these things. You got to go out on the ledge, and you got to go with your gut. It just happened to be wrong, but what an impressive performance by Chase Elliott! Don't you agree? I agree. Uh, Chase Elliott is the new road course king. Uh, we've known that for a year now. But my pick was uh, in like reverse psychology. You know, like Kyle Larson yeah. was the hot thing in NASCAR, and you know what? I just said to hell with it. Billy Bradley's been riding that horse for the last few weeks. Let me just pick yep. him, and maybe we'll see if we can break that momentum and. Hey, he, uh, he wound up finishing, what, 15th? And, uh, but Chase Elliott is the king, um, and uh, I don't see anybody stopping him. I think he's going to win the, the, the remaining, what, three road court races that we have on the schedule this year. I think he's going to go three for three. Wow. Away. Rob, we talked about, you know, last year how uh, we were shaking things up and adding road courses and that sort of thing. I'm a fan of road courses. I've said this many times, but when – when, when we started running moonshine in the Appalachian Mountains, we just didn't drive around the town square for four hours to outrun the cops. 
We were going right. uphill, downhill, through creeks, around the mountain, whatever it took. And we've got these road courses in, and now they play an even bigger part in the championship standings, and we're actually witnessing how you, a driver has to change their game and be a hell of a lot more varied than they had to be maybe 10 years ago, Rob. And it's, it's helped That's that nine team out a bunch, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you you know, you have to you think about it. It hasn't been that long ago. We used to go when we were just going to uh, uh, Sonoma and Watkins Glen that there was teams that brought in what they call road course ringers, you know, like Forrest said would come in and Ron Fellows and stuff like that and sit in seats and, you know, be a threat to win at these places and, you know, come in and show their dominance. And you had a few guys that were really good, you know, the regular, some regulars that were really good. Uh, but now all these guys are, or maybe not all, but, uh, you know, the majority of them have some road course prowess. And obviously, just like we were talking about here, uh, Chase Elliott is the cream of the crop right now on the road courses. I mean, there's several guys out there that are threats to win week in and week out that are good at what they do on those road courses. But Chase Elliott is definitely, has definitely set the bar as far as handling his road course races. Well, it's been fun to watch because, um, you know, the old-time NASCAR fan hates change. They want to race like it's 1977. And when we added these road courses to the to the schedule, not everybody was thrilled. I, Jimmy, let me ask you a question. From a fan perspective, watching it on TV, was it a good race to watch on TV? Was it boring? How, how'd you how'd you see it from your couch? I mean, other than Chase Elliott just running away with it, I thought it was a decent race. Uh, you know, it was Road America presents a lot of different challenges, and um, you know, I thought we got to see some great racing throughout the pack. Even with the stages, we had guys up there that wouldn't normally be up there. Matt DeBettadetto seems to be turning into a really good road racer. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the race, you had Austin Cendrick and AJ Almendinger up there, two ringers. Um, didn't work out for them throughout the rest of the race, but uh, I thought it was a great race, and I thought it was a, a great course, and obviously. Uh, you know, I'm excited to, to go back there next year with a year under our belt. Yeah, I think that's the, the biggest takeaway I had um, in, the, in the, the snippets that I did watch after the race. It's very technical. It's a very technical, very different from yeah. most of the other things we run, Rob. And I, and I think that's – I think it's going to lend to better racing down the road. And it's uh, – I mean, it was very different and kind of technical for you as well. Yes. Um, you know, the thing about Road America is it's very fast. Like, there is a lot of fast sections in there. And there's, a, you know, a few technical parts, like uh, I think what they call the carousel um, is a technical part of that race course. But it is extremely fast, and it's very long. Uh, and I think, things, I think things went really well, uh, considering that, you know, with a very limited practice time, with not, the Cup Series not being there uh, in recent history, uh, things went good. Uh, the weather was good. It was warm. Uh, the tires held up. There was no issues, no tire issues whatsoever, unless you ran something over or anything like that. Uh, I, I can't, I can't speak on how the race looked from the fan standpoint. It was too busy. Like we, we on the six, we had a less than stellar day. Um, Ryan isn't, Ryan isn't, uh, in the upper tier, as far as road course competitors go, he he can he can get the car around the around the racetrack. He can do well, but he's not. 
I don't consider him a threat to win on a road course. He's just, it's just not in his wheelhouse. He handles it well, but it's just not in his wheelhouse. Um, and that said, I think that um, our cars probably, our road course program is not where it needs to be either. So it's probably a combination of both. But anyway, I digress. Moving back to what it looked like from the fan standpoint, uh, I think the fans there enjoyed it. They enjoyed having the Cup Series back. There was a lot of people there, which was really great to see. Um, a lot of people having a good time, a lot of campers, a lot of fans in the stands. It was really neat. It's a neat place. It's a neat part of the country. Uh, I look forward to going back. Um, I don't know how that new car is going to do up there. It'll definitely be interesting. But there is a – I mean, that's, that is a track that I would, I would almost venture to guess that you go back there next year – and you will see a lot more action because now everybody's like, okay, what did I do wrong? What did I do right? And you're going to see a lot of guys do things a little bit different, maybe be a little more aggressive. Um, you know, just just one of those things that you like, like you're trying to, it's almost like that first time out, you just try to tiptoe through it. You just want to get through it. You want to survive. You you know, if you're good, you're going to go ahead and push. If you're so-so, you, you know, you want to hold your ground. If you're terrible, you're trying to be better. But next year, I think it'll be a situation where guys are going to go all out for it, like you see on these road courses that we run year in and year out, where you know everybody has their game and they're and they're sticking to it. You know what I mean? It's just and, you know it, it's a new ball game for us. It's a great point, Rob, because the fact of the matter is we're at this we're at the the stage of the year, if you will, that a a disastrous finish can hurt a bunch of damn teams. It's yes. hard. You, you can't afford. Um, uh, a 39th place finish this late in the year. It doesn't matter yeah, if, where you're at standings. You got you, you. just can't let that happen. Yeah, and if if you were to look at the point standings right now, the guys that are you know near the cut line, um, like 12, 12th on, like, and I haven't looked at it in a while, but you know the guys that are close to that 16th spot, you know, and then 17th and 18th, they are they are a, a, aggressive, conservative, conservatively aggressive. Um, they need the best finish they can get, but at the same time, they cannot afford a DNF or a 30-plus place finish because you just you lose so much ground. With the way the points are awarded now, years ago it was, you know, five points, four positions through like one through ten, and then four, and then three, and then two as the field broke down. So if you had a bad day, you didn't lose as much ground, and if you had a good day, you could make it up. But now that each position is only one point, if you have a bad day, you have a bad day. A good day isn't going to recover, isn't going to make up for it. You know, it's just going to bring you back even. So, and you know, now that we're in a playoff system where we get to the 26th race and everything is reset, and you're either in or you're out. Now it's as we get closer and closer to you know that fall Daytona date, which is your last, which is your last race to get into the playoffs. You know, your cutoff race. Now. You know, things are, things are racking it up a little bit. You know, you, you really got to pay attention to those points. If you don't have a win, you really have to say, okay, where are our strong tracks between here and there? You know, we need to take advantage of, of this track or this track, or, or, or we need to just, you know, we need to just, you know, if, if, a, if a team is only so-so at one of these places, like say you're only so-so at Atlanta or you're so-so at Loudoun, you have to go there and say, okay, we just need to minimize our mistakes and get our best finish. If you are strong at Atlanta or strong at Loudoun, you say, okay, we have to go for it there. We have to go ahead and run, you know, we have to do what we can to run top five to, to put ourselves in position to win. You have to take advantage of that right now. So it's, 
it, you know, things are, and we've seen it in the past, you know, with this, with this system that we're in, that the pressure starts ratcheting up on these teams that are close to that cut line above and below. If you've got a win and you're in, yeah, you know, you can, that, that changes the game completely. Yeah. It really does, uh, top to bottom. You brought up some good, some good points. And I, one of the things I want to talk about here, as you, you mentioned, is just, you know, this, we've, seen it, we've seen this system work out in the past, and yet we're still learning. This is, yeah. this is, uh, this is a, a new thing. And Jimmy mentioned earlier we saw some, uh, some, some names up front that we didn't normally see. You made the point that, hey, if you're, you know, 12 to 16 to 18, you've got to be conservatively aggressive, and, and that's what we saw. We saw, uh, you know, the guys who are in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs already, and the guys that are outside that 18th, 19th, 20th place running like hell to get up front because they got to make up these points. And I think that's what lends to, um, to me, this is proved, this system has proven that it makes teams more aggressive than what we used to be 20 years ago because you have to be. You can't yes. just sit around and, and get it. And now I think we've made the product better, and we're still using, you know, cars, and we, we're not using anything, you know, super fancy, but we've, we've, we've changed the rules and the dynamics to make up a better race, and 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 you and you speak about Atlanta, Jimmy. Right now is I racing as we speak at Atlanta. How you doing, Jimmy? Where you at, bud? How those tires treating you? Holy hell! <laughs> oh, boys, I'm not going to go over top five right now. Just came off at two, and I got a little squirrely. But hey, the boys in the top five now. We are going to the front. This is like hey, this is like doing a TV interview with a driver at speed right now. You know what I mean? Like this is like the booth talking to him and he's at speed trying to drive into the corner. It's like yeah, hold on a minute. <laughs> at the end of the year, Jimmy's going to be looking over his race performance and he goes, "What the fuck happened at Atlanta?" Oh yeah, I was uh, doing a podcast when I was racing at Atlanta. Um, I've taken my focus away, but Jimmy, we're at a point now in the season where it's it's befuddling. And it's just become part of the season to see Denny Hamlin and, and Kevin Harvick not in the winner's circle. And huh. this has been, yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, and we have seen Kevin Harvick go to Atlanta, put his left wheels on that yellow stripe and ride around there and nobody can touch him. Jimmy, I, I need to know if, if Kevin Harvick doesn't win Atlanta or have a strong top five, can we write him off? Or, or what, what, do you, what do you sincerely yeah. think about his performance here? There's no way. I mean, like, look, those guys have been fast. They have not been their usual Kevin Harvick nine-win domination type of fast, but they've still been fast. They're putting together some great runs, solid runs. And, you know, uh, obviously we know Hendricks got it going on right now, uh, but I do not count Kevin Harvick out not one even if you don't win Atlanta, if he doesn't finish top five in Atlanta, I'm not counting the guy. He's a champion for a reason. No, you can't. You're and, exactly uh, right, Jimmy. He can get hot. Him and Ronnie Children can get hot at any time during the summer here. So uh, I'm yeah. definitely not counting out Kevin Harvick. I'm going to go against both of you and say if Kevin Harvick can't get a solid top five, they might as well just start uh, putting him out to pasture. Because the fact of the matter is, as great as that team is, um, the longer this goes on, he doesn't have 
the some old timers. He's got some new guys in that in that stable, and the morale over there is gonna be shit after winning that many races last year and coming in here and not doing much, having some decent speed. But fact of the matter is, if you take Kevin Harvick out of the equation, Eric Almarola is barely hanging on. I mean, he's doing okay, but from what they had last year to this year, I consider it a complete failure uh, from the team and the organization if they don't get a solid top, top five out of Kevin Harvick, and they have to have everybody in the top 15, or I, I'm not expecting shit out of SHR. I know that sounds harsh, but boys, we're getting close to the cutoff, and they haven't shown the ability to lead any laps whatsoever. Denny Hamlin, on the other case, he led a few laps, but I don't feel anywhere near the when, – when I look at Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, I, I don't feel as, as Denny Hamlin's near in dire straits as Kevin Harvick is because I, Kevin Harvick's organization isn't doing anything behind him, whereas, you know, they've got a couple wins over there, um, some good wins over there at, at Joe Gibbs Racing. And, uh, Rob, if you got to look at Joe Gibbs Racing and SA, and by the way, Atlanta has been a Ford track forever. I mean, for a long time now, it's been a Ford track. I expect to see a Ford um, to do well here. But when, when you look at Joe Gibbs Racing and, and Stuart Haas, Rob, is there, does it appear to you that Stuart Haas is behind the eight ball compared to Joe Gibbs? Uh, I would huh. I would say yes, just because Joe Gibbs Racing. I mean, their their cars are their cars are running up front. Um, the only the only car in that stable that doesn't have a win is the one who won the most last year, which is ironic. Um, all four of their teams are locked into the playoffs, basically. Um, you know, I don't see the eleven falling from where he is in the points. You know, in the next month or so. So. I, you know, they're they're probably from an organizational standpoint, uh, they're probably the most solid. Um, Hendrick has all four of their cars have wins. They're all locked into the playoffs. Uh, have shown domination for the last couple months um, across the board, top to bottom. Uh, so, you know, they're obviously a force to be reckoned with. Um, the Fords. The, the Fords are strong, but they're not showing the strength that they have as a group, like last year, for, as a matter of fact. And, and, and to get back to Stuart Haas, though, you know, aside from Kevin last year, I mean, the other three cars were average. You know, yeah. they, they, they were average. They didn't show the domination that Hendrick has been showing this year as a group. They didn't show, you know, they, they didn't show, you know, wins across the board the way Joe Gibbs is doing, the way Hendrick's doing, et cetera. So, you know, like I said, Stuart Haas was a big, you know, a, they, they were running up front, but they didn't show domination as an organization. Whereas this year you're seeing, you know, Hendrick is just, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else right now. They, they found something, they've got, stu- they've got stuff working for them, and they're putting it to good use. They're not messing around. So... I don't think you can write Harvick off. However, you're not going to point your way to the championship. It just doesn't happen in this format. You know what I mean? You can point your way in. You can point your way through the first two rounds, but you're, got, but you're running solid to do that. Now, you get in that third round, and, that you're, and to, to not have a win and point your way into the final four, 
Um, I think that's a tall order. I really do. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. And, you know, Tony Stewart used to be the one guy you could count on when it was hot and miserable in that car during the summer months. He would wake up and go on a tear. Oh, yeah, he was a beast. He was unbelievable in the summer, and that's what made his fall. Kevin Harvick's always been that guy where, like, you know he's going to win. They call him the closer for a reason. I mean, if he's, yeah. if he's in the top three, four, maybe even five, he's probably going to sneak out the win more often than not. And I, he just hasn't done that. It's very interesting. And quite frankly, what I believe happened is when Stuart Haas Racing lost their 40, um, their, their 40, uh, what, down, down force points, I think yeah. Kendrick Motorsports scooped them up. Because that's the only thing that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's like they both changed, uh, changed, um, uh, warehouses, but uh, Rob, we're going to Atlanta. It's a crazy place for tires. What, what is the typical strategy there for? Is there, is there a typical strategy? I mean, you're putting on tires every time you can, yes? Yeah, your strategy is pit for four. Whenever you get the opportunity, I would then, depending on the circumstance as far as your track position and where you are in the stage, um, there might be a strategy play there. Uh, you know, if, if you haven't been out on tires that long, you know, let's say three, four laps and you're three, four laps from the stage break and you're running 15th and everybody in front of you pits, maybe you stay out and try to hold on to hold on to 10th, you know, or, or stay in the top 10 to get some stage points. Uh, you know, just to, just to, because the cool thing about those stage points, for those that don't know, is it doesn't matter where you finish, you still get those points. So let's say, for example, let, let's say, for example, you, you finish, uh, what is it, ninth in, in, uh, stage one. And then you go on to finish the race in 20th. Well, that's like finishing the race in 18th with no stage points. You know what I'm saying? You're getting those points. So, cause they stick with you. So, you know, and, and this goes back to the conversation we had about guys that are near the cutoff line. Stage points are going to be big for them, you know, because that just has, you know, that, that gives you a little extra cushion. That gives you a couple more here, a couple more there. How many times have you seen guys not make the playoffs because of a point or two points? And everybody goes, oh, well, if we had run better at Daytona, you know, the cutoff race, we would have got it. Okay. No, it's not the field goal. And we've talked about this a hundred times. It's not the field goal's kicker, kicker's fault that missed this 55-yard field goal with no time left on the clock. That's not his fault they lost the game. Yeah. You had 60 minutes to score points. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't look yeah. at you, – you might be able to look at one race, but it ain't the last one. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So uh, it, 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 it's a big deal. But getting back to the strategy of Atlanta, it is four tires. There is no two-tire option. There is a death sentence to even think that, oh, I'm going to put two tires on and hold my ground. If two tires against four, sorry, you might, as well, you might as well just stay out. You know what I mean? Um, I think your cutoff for tires is within 10 laps. I think if you run 10 laps and the caution comes out, you're coming down and putting four on it no matter what. Wow. Uh, and, I mean, because that place, uh, that place is a tire eater. Now, we all know from the announcement this week that there's going to be a repave, which – it sounds like there's some mixed emotions on it. I haven't heard, I haven't uh, read anything as far as comments from drivers or owners or whomever. Uh, uh, I, I know that they're making some 
track changes, and I need to do a little more research on it to talk intelligently about it. But I, what I do know is that place is eating tires. They were going to repave it a couple years ago and didn't because it is one of our greater racetracks because it, it's a tire management racetrack. And the, the thing about it is, is Atlanta's Atlanta. It hasn't been paved since 97 when they reconfigured it. I know I was there. And I remember when they repaved it that that place was super, super fast. Yeah. Um, I mean, holding it wide open at both ends uh, in, in, in qualifying, uh, so much grip. And I remember, <laughs> I remember the race there, that, that race, the first race on that repave, is we were skinning right rears, I mean, to the fabric. And the only complaint was the driver would say, yeah, I was a little loose at the end of the run, and you'd come in, you know, you'd come in for a pit stop, you'd change tires, and that right rear is skint to the fabric. <laughs> so, and the only complaint was that it was a little loose at the end. Well, that just tells you how much grip was in that racetrack and how fast they were going. It was nuts. So, I, now, will, will we see that again with this repave? It's hard to say. Um, the, other, the other added feature to that is, is uh, the new car. I mean, who knows what the speed's going to be? Who knows what's going to happen with that? I mean, that's a whole other story, and we can get into this new car thing uh, as we get closer to the end of the year or, or over the winter because um, well, we, we've got a lot of action still yet to cover for, for 21. So yeah. that's, uh, that's all I got. As far as, as far as strategy at Atlanta, it is four tires. There is no options. You will, put, you will want tires before you, see, before you uh, have to worry about running out of fuel. That's for damn sure. Well, the the big thing that we always see there in Atlanta is somebody always gambles and somebody always loses that gamble. Um, yeah. it's, just a, it's just a bad gamble um, all the way up and down the board. Jimmy, you're you're driving there now, and I'm yes, assuming sir. that. Yes, boy, uh, don't believe, baby. Oh, uh, well, that's, yes, that's good sir. to know. Have you, uh, have you changed any tires in the game, in the race yet? I have not. I'm 46 laps on tires right now, okay. and your boy just took the goddamn lead. Let's go. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that, Jimmy. You better, pit, you better pit for four, dude. <laughs> in a real race, you would be on. Uh, you would be at 46 laps. Now. At 46 yeah. laps, yeah, you better pit for. You bet you need four. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no shit. Either uh, that, hey, Dado, either that or you better be on the phone. He better be on the radio to the pick room and be like, hey, you might, you might want to get the hammers out here a little bit because I'm about to right side I, this I thing. I am a hell of a tire manager on this thing. And yeah. I have, I started 11th and I ran down the leader. Here we are at lap 48 and I'm battling for the lead here. Yeah. Well, that's good. We're not going to see that shit tomorrow um, no. in Atlanta. I can tell you that. But Jimmy Wag, you, uh, you won the previous, um, the, the not last race, but the one before. Um, I won last week. You get to go first, Jimmy, with uh, with your pick for Atlanta, and I'm damn interested to see who you pick, son. Who you got? Well, I'll be remiss to say if I shouldn't pick him two weeks in a row. You know, I gave him some bad uh-huh. luck last week, and uh, I don't know. He he's burned his tires out at the end, the first race there, and young Ryan Blaney. Uh, wind up winning the race. So I'm going to go. Let's go back to back. I'm picking Kyle Larson to win. Take that, Billy Bradley. Oh, oh God. Boom. I don't, I don't know how. If Kyle Larson is ever on the board by the time you get to the last guy, it's criminal. You got to take him. Yeah, exactly. Right, Who's your uh, dark horse, bud? My, 
my dark horse man. Um, let's go. He had a great run last week. Um, I'm gonna go Kurt Busch. I think Kurt uh, nice. is, what, finished fifth or sixth last week at Road America. He's he's putting the pedal down on that last playoff spot, and uh, Kurt Busch runs pretty good at Atlanta. So I'm gonna go Kurt Busch as my dark horse. I think those are two good picks, and uh, and I like yeah. where your head's at. And Rob, last week. Uh, Kyle Larson, Jimmy had the first pick, and we'd all laughed at him if he left Kyle Larson on the table, right? Kyle Larson's yeah. having one of those years where, even though Chase Elliott's a road course guy now, Kyle Larson's won four in a row. I mean, you, you got to take him. Who are you going to take, Rob, for your winner in your dark horse? Uh, the winner in Atlanta is uh, I'm going to look at. I'm going to look at. Damn, winner in Atlanta. Uh, he took YRB. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with, I'm going with two Fords. I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski, and I'm going to go with Kevin Hart. Hey, hey. Damn it. I'm bring up other circumstances, but hey. <laughs> stop. You need to stop. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about those circumstances a little bit later when we, uh, that'll definitely be a, a, a hot stove topic for sure. But I was literally going to take those two guys next. I swear to God, I, I, I like what, uh, Brad Keselowski does there and, and that sort of thing. I think this has been a Ford track and a Ford track for a long time, but I'm going to take, um, I'm going to have to take, I, I got to take a Hendrick car. And I, I think I'm going to take um, Alex Bowman um, uh, on this mile-and-a-half track, even though it's vastly different than every other one of them. And then I, I, I was going to take a Ford. My two favorites um, uh, are gone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over to uh, um, – God damn, this is going to sound dumb as hell. I, 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 so I want to take the Benedetto or Suarez. Suarez got into some – some some bad luck. Yeah, last week. Last week, yeah. Um, Atlanta's close to South Florida. I think they're going to have a big contingency there. I'm going to take Daniel Suarez as my as my dark horse. It's, I think he's got. I like what that team's been doing, and um, I'm going to I'm willing to throw his name in the hat there and see how it goes. You boys better better be taking the gold bond in uh, 55 gallon drums uh, this weekend. Um, yeah, it's going to be a little humid, I think. Yeah, Wags is flying in Sunday morning and doing the uh, the In and Out show, kind of like a NASCAR oh. team. He looks like a damn Jack man, anyway. So right. Uh, but boys, I, I'm looking for a good race. I think this is going to be maybe one of the the last great races we see in Atlanta for a while. I'm very excited about it for Rob Lopes, for I Racing Jimmy Wags. That's right. This is Let's have a good race in Atlanta, y'all. That's, That's right. Her. Appreciate it, boys. Y'all have a good one.